Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Thinking Sideways is not supported by a postal-carrying primate. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinkingsideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hi there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Joe, joined as always by... Devin. And... Steve. And this week we're going to talk about another... It's kind of an international mystery, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. More than kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an international mystery. Mm-hmm. For us, I guess. I mean, there are people in this world that... No, that's not true. No, it's still, it's it's still crosses, it still crosses country lines, <gasps> no matter right. which way you slice it. Okay, it's international. Yeah, it do. Yeah. All right, this is a, this has got lots of murder intrigue. You guys are going to love it. And we're going to talk about the death of Alexander Litvinenko. First off, I want to give a shout-out to Rosie, who suggested this mystery. Thanks, Rosie. Uh, and so let's talk about Alexander Litvinenko. Uh, he was a journalist at the time of his death, living in the U.K. But before being a journalist, he was an FSB officer. What's in, an FSB? That's a good question. The FSB stands for Federal Security Service of the Russian Federation. That doesn't sound ominous. Yeah, they're the successor to the, to the KGB. And... What did the KGB stand for? Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember either. I don't remember. It's, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but uh, reportedly, the FSB is, is not quite as brutal as, as the KGB. Not but, quite. But they're not quite Boy Scouts. Yeah. yeah. In 1998, Litvinenko was still with the, the FSB, and uh, he and several other 
FSB officers publicly accused some of their higher-ups in the organization of ordering the assassination of Boris Berezovsky, uh, who was a Russian tycoon. You've heard of those those famous oligarchs, you know, mm-hmm. the, one, the ones who wound up owning everything in the 90s, and, and they're super rich and stuff. Yeah, he was, um, unlike most of the other oligarchs, he didn't have any allies with the Russian government. He was actually kind of opposed to Yeltsin and Boris Yeltsin, who was in charge in the late 90s still. This is pre-Vladimir Putin. That's interesting. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's always interesting to me when somebody who, like, is in power for a reason is like, but, you know, screw those guys that are the reason I'm in power. Uh-huh, the reason I'm rich. That make it easy you know. for me. Well, yeah, but he, he benefited from the situation. They weren't directly the reason he was in power yeah, as wow. much as some others. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, that back to Berezovsky. Uh, the assassination wasn't carried out, uh, at least not at the time. Uh, Although he did die in 2013, uh, he decided to move to Britain for health reasons, meaning he didn't want to get murdered. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of people were getting murdered in Russia around this time. A lot of people left the country at this time, too, for that very same reason. Uh, Yeah. Uh, But in in 2013, he was living living in the UK. uh, He was found dead in his home under somewhat suspicious circumstances. Uh, He he hanged himself in his bathroom. Hmm. It kind of looked like a suicide anyway. Uh, But he may actually have killed himself. Because his life had really taken a turn for the worse. He'd been through a series of lawsuits, lost a huge amount of wealth, and so he'd gone from being mega rich to broke. He had also, it was known that he was having depression issues. Yeah, he just Much, had, pri- you know, a, a great amount of time prior to that. So. Yeah, yeah, so he had depression issues anyway. Now he really had something to be right. depressed about. Uh, yeah, he was selling his possessions, I understand, just to pay his legal bills. The coroner at the time still refused to rule the death a suicide. Hmm. Because, you know, because of who his enemies were. Mm-hmm. So even though it, physically the physical evidence kind of looked like suicide, and he'd had a motive, but still. And so it's still an open case. Interesting. Because yeah. they, they ruled it unknown. Is that right? Yeah, they did. I don't... So this is one of those things that I just don't get, because you know it's just going to fuel the fires, is I wish they would come up with a different term, which is death by this, but with questions. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, or they could just say probably suicide, but I wouldn't guarantee it. Yeah, there's no opinion put in there, I guess, is a problem. It's a box that gets ticked as to the cause of death. Yeah, I think the official terminology is open verdict. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but it... it, You don't really want your coroner's editorializing. No, but speculating. I, but the problem is, is that it then, what was the, the term that you just used again, Joe? Open verdict. Yes, open verdict means that people always construe that as unknown and all these things always get pushed into these cases. I mean, we're not talking about Berezovsky at all here in the, the grander scheme of the story. Yeah, this is just is... one of those things that I notice about this this corn, this process with the, the British coroner. It's always bothers me mm. yeah but Berezovsky is a bit of a footnote though so, yeah yeah but yeah well okay if you're a British coroner and you're listening I mean clean up your act all right or yeah. write a succeeding email yeah uh back to Alexander Litvinenko uh, have, oh the uh, guy we're doing the episode about yeah, yeah. that guy oh, that okay. guy yeah, yeah. a little sidetrack there mm-hmm. uh so obviously he didn't stay with the FSB. I mean, after you accuse your employer, partner, employer your government, that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Here, yeah, yeah, you're, you gotta get out of numbered. there. Yeah, he uh, he became a journalist instead and was was critical of the government. Uh, he left Russia in the year 2000 with his family and was living in exile in the UK, working as a journalist. He wrote a couple of books. Uh, one called "Blowing Up Russia" and the other one was "Lubyanka Criminal Group," and they were critical of you know a lot of a lot of people have said that the, the Russian government eventually devolved into a, into a gangster government. 
That's you know. kind of a well-known thing through, yeah, it is. through the decades. Yeah. Of well, yeah, before, kind of that... yeah, before the fall of the Soviet Union, they, they were a gangster government, really. And, uh, yeah. you know, under the czars, they were kind of a gangster government. And today they are. So I don't know. I was just keeping my mouth shut because I like being alive, Mr. Putin. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I like you, Vladimir. Yeah, I'm not You're good. very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you you're... ride shirtless on that bear. That's just yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, where were well, hunting salmon yeah back to alexander um in november 2006 litvinenko became suddenly ill in london and he was taken to a hospital where it was discovered that he had polonium 210 in his bloodstream and, Which sounds like a made-up word. Yeah, but apparently it's a real deal. Uh, but it's a very rare radioactive isotope, which you're not going to like, you know, find in your average drugstore. But Litvinenko was hospitalized for three weeks, a little more or less, and uh, then died um, of radiation poisoning. Not a pleasant way to go. No, yeah. I I can't imagine yeah. it would be. No. So so here are our theories. And there's basically three possible ones, unless you guys have other ones. But no, theory not yet. One. Yeah, it was an accident. Um, Litvinenko was playing around with a little polonium, and maybe he accidentally inhaled some or got him on his... He's got the polonium slinky, is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. So there's the accident. You guys have any thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, Seems a bit unlikely. Yeah. Could have been suicide. He got his hands on some polonium and ingested it on purpose because he missed Mother Russia so bad. Polonium candy? Yeah, I don't know where he got it. Drugstore, I guess? Uh, no. And there's another possibility, which is murder. Always deliberate poisoning by, by a third party. Um, and there's a little bit of support for the theory um, because several of Litvinenko's associates had been murdered. Uh, quite realistic. a few. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, in police interviews in the hospital, Litvinenko said that he had met with two former KGB agents on the morning of November 1st. 2006, which is the same day that he became ill. Quite a coincidence there. And it turns out investigation showed that one of the agents, uh, whose name was Dmitry Kofton, had used a house and a car in Hamburg, Germany, which was where he was before he went over to London to meet with Litvinenko. And traces of polonium were found in both that house and the car. Hmm. So that's kind of incriminating. And of course, Litvinenko had been accusing Vladimir Putin and uh, of various heinous crimes, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And so there was a... No, what am I saying? Of course, Vladdy had nothing to do with this. So, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Again, I'm just going to stay mum on this. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So the murder theory looks like to be the strongest, right? According to the British government. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously it's caused a little bit of a cooling of relations between Britain and, the, and Russia. Well, mm-hmm. they were kind of, you know, yeah. going uh, that way anyway. Yeah. But but this this story is actually part of a bigger story, which you guys may have heard of. And I'm, I'm going to talk about the Russian apartment bombings what? of 1999. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. In the early 90s, when the Soviet Union fell, eventually, of course, as you all know, Boris Yeltsin became president of the Russian Federation. After Gorby. Mm-hmm. After Gorbachev. Yeah, yeah. And, then, uh, and he was reelected in 1996, but by 1999 he was pretty unpopular. And we'll go into the reasons for that a little later. But but it was Boris in charge in 1999. And then in August 1999, Yeltsin fired his prime minister and his entire cabinet, as, by the way. And, and then he appointed uh, a fairly unknown guy named Vladimir Putin to replace his, to replace his prime minister. And uh, again, Putin was pretty unknown at the time. He was a former KGB officer, of course. We all know that. Uh, Yeltsin also let it be known that he preferred Vladimir to be his successor as president. Of course, you know, I'm not sure how many, 
how likely that was to happen at that moment because Yeltsin wasn't polling all that well at that time, right at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So before we get too far into it, because I know that people who are familiar with some of the history will, will know this. So mm. Gor- Gorbachev was the one who came up with perestroika, correct? Yeah, glasnost. Yeah, yeah. Th- that that whole economic theory and, and stuff like that. Glasnost was just like open, like more openness. He opened the markets. Kind of relaxing. Right, which but, didn't do good things for them at all. Well, yeah, it was mostly under Yeltsin. His, his economic reforms, he talked about, quote, economic shock therapy and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, and, he, he was going to fix what Gorby had messed up. Well, I mean, the, the whole the whole situation had been messed up for years. I mean, the planned economies never do well. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it was it was the problem was is that the, the state was propping up failing businesses because oh, yeah. no business could fail in the perfect state. Yeah. But I was just I was trying to remember who did what. So that's so that's the order that it went from. I think that uh, I think Gorbachev pretty much continu- continued the planning uh the planned economy and then and it was Yeltsin who wanted to privatize everything. Uh, well, no, not exactly. So it, it was because other, we were talking about perestroikas. That mm-hmm. was where Gorbachev was trying to allow the free market economy to happen a little bit, a little bit. So simple, simplified version is that the state still controlled everything, but you could now sell to the market at a different price than what you sold to the state. The state got the right price, the good cheap price, but you could sell it at whatever you wanted. But of course, then people started getting greedy and it started causing inflation and everything got out of hand. And then that's when Gorbachev obviously was super unpopular when inflation was through the roof and the it's the ruble. Uh-huh. Yeah, the ruble was, you know, worth nothing. So then Yeltsin Is that when came... they were using it as wallpaper? <laughs> no, I don't think it was quite that worthless. But, not quite, uh... but that's that's a different country. Oh, yeah. I think that was Germany in the... In the 20s? 30s, in the th- 30s? Yeah, 30s? Yeah. Something like that. But no, and then after that, that's when Yeltsin um, came in and he changed some of it. He still allowed some of the privatization, but they were still controlling the markets. But you had to go through the actual government first to get those contracts to go through. And that's how a lot of the bribery and of these oligarch situations came about. Yeah, essentially, um, and then Yeltsin wanted to privatize it, essentially, you know, in the end. But he still kept control within the government. Yeah, but, uh, and his plan to do so was to sell off the state, all the state-owned enterprises, which was a vast, you know, vast amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. And and so he he just had uh, every Russian citizen was given a voucher, and I can't remember how much it was, so that they could buy stock in these now privatized companies. But because of because of inflation and because of just the end of the Soviet Union, a lot of people lost their pensions and were flat broke. Almost everybody or that was an ordinary citizen sold their vouchers for pennies on the dollar, mm-hmm. and that's how. And so they wound up all in the hands of these quote unquote oligarchs. Who but wound this, up owning everything. And this is why and, Yeltsin was so unpopular by yeah, the end of 99. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the economy is just in the toilet. Well, it is. I mean, all these people have, have basically grabbed all the wealth. Meantime, the, the economy is in the toilet. The GDP dropped 50%. <laughs> yeah, and, that's pretty that's significant. You know, and, yeah, nobody had any money. Everybody was, was flat, broke, and unemployed. And, and, yeah, Yeltsin was not popular. Uh, so that's that's the situation. And... So that's and, when he he then brings Putin in. Uh, yeah, so he, he appointed Putin. He was, I think, his third prime minister in a pretty brief amount of time. And then uh, just right after that, September, a month later, September 1999, September 4th, a very, very large bomb went off in an apartment building uh, in the city of, uh, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but it's like Boynesk. 
I mean, this is the former Soviet Union, so the bill you've seen those pictures of those enormous concrete block apartments. Yeah, that yeah literally a block. Yeah, exactly. Um, City block. Yeah, uh, so that whole thing got blown up, and a lot of people were killed, and, and surprisingly, nobody took credit for the explosion, uh, mm. and it certainly didn't seem to be an accident. It looked like a deliberate bombing. And then four days later, on September 9th, another apartment block was blown up, this time in Moscow, and then another one blew up on September 13th, on September 16th, an apartment building in the city of Volgodonsk was bombed. And in all, 293 people were killed and more wow. than 1,000 were wounded and, or maimed. In these four and, bomb, separate bombings. Yeah, yeah. and everybody, everybody in Russia was scared. It was like you know, terror on a mass scale and nobody, yeah. not, nobody knew who it was that was doing it. And then on, on September 14th, another bomb was found and diffused in Moscow. Uh, apparently a couple more were found around this time, but I'm uncertain as to the exact dates. And then on September 22nd, a, another large bomb was found in the basement of an apartment block in the city of Ryazan. Uh, it was diffused before it could go off. And in this case, there were witnesses who actually saw the guys who likely were, likely planted the bomb. And I'm not sure if they saw them actually you know, bringing it in or running away or if they were the, the, just the guys that came by and rented the basement space or maybe all three. Because mm -hmm. uh, most of these guys, most of these spaces, they did. Cut, people came in and rented space, mm -hmm. and then trucked in all the all the materials for the bombs and put them all together, and then and then left. Uh, but in this case, they had some faces, they had descriptions, and very so very shortly, every vertical surface in the city of Ryazan was covered with wanted posters with drawings of these guys. Uh, but still, the motive for the bombings was unclear until the FSB and the Russian government said that there was what is quote-unquote a Chechen trail, unquote, mm. uh, and that the bombings were, were almost certainly the work of Chechen terrorists or Dagestani terrorists. I mean, it's a very complicated situation over there. Um, you know, and Chechnya, Chechnya is kind of like, at least about half a step, Chechnya is, is almost in anarchy, and there's all sorts of guerrilla groups running around, and there's, and there's so people from Dagestan are operating in Chechnya, and people from... Chechnya are operating in Dagestan. And so for so, a quick bit of geographic reference for people who may not know where Chechnya is, because I didn't, I mean, I've, I've known the, the, the name of the country, yeah. but I'd never really logged it in my brain where the heck it was. Yeah. It's about a thousand miles directly north of Iran. Mm -hmm. It's in that neck of the woods. Yeah. So just to kind of give you an idea, I mean, when it's a country that the Russian Federation is going to war with, I expect it to be in the far north reaches for some reason. No, no, it's, so on, that's the why... it's on the southern flank. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, and there's, there, there's been more than one Chechen war between them and the, and the Soviets. This is the second uh, the one. Russians. Yeah, it is. This is right about, this is what kind of set off the second Chechen war. Uh, and remember Vladimir Putin, he, uh, now the prime minister, he gave a really tough sounding speech at a press conference and, and, he, and he ordered the air bombing of Grozny, Chechnya. And that was the beginning of the second Chechen war. And of course that was actually ordered by Yeltsin, but, uh, but. Uh, Putin was the one who actually gave the order. So he looked like the operations. hero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's defending the Russian people from terrorists. Yeah, so much I, like a yeah. certain man in this country a decade or so ago did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and or so, like you know, Putin is still doing to this day. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, Vladimir Putin was a star. His mm -hmm. popularity went up hugely. And I didn't mention this before, but there was a presidential election scheduled for the very next year, 2000. And when Boris Yeltsin saw that Putin was riding so high in the polls and Putin, of course, was his buddy. Uh, he uh, decided uh, he was at the time polling about two percent approval ratings, That's which Yeltsin. is basically none. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he 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 decided to abdicate in favor of Putin. 
So he resigned at the end of December 1999, December 31st, and Putin took over as president, and guess what? He's still there. I mean, he did swap. He did swap with the prime minister for one short term before he came back in as president again, and I, I assume that arrangement's going to go on indefinitely. This is a dumb question. Yeah. Is he, he's not elected. No, he's elected. He is? Yeah. yeah. Do people run against him? Uh, well... On paper. Yeah, they okay. do. They do. I mean, no, they, they, they do have sort of real elections, you know, okay. I guess. Uh, there's there's all kinds of accusations of tampering. I mean, it was... Oh, yeah. I think it was in the 2010-ish range where he had an election where he was trailing massively in the polls and then won by some huge margin. I mean, so there's all kinds of okay. accusations of funny business, but the thing is is that this this second Chechen war has begun just before the election and because he's now the star, he just totally takes it yeah, and, uh, massively. Yeah, which uh, which works out well for Boris Yeltsin, but more on that later. Um, well, it works out pretty good for Putin, too. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 so... There you have it, the mysterious Russian apartment bombings of 1999, and there's several theories out there as to who did it and why. Okay. First theory, the CIA. This theory does not have a lot of support. There's only one guy who's put it out there, and he was actually sort of accused of being one of the men who organized the transportation of explosives to Moscow for those bombings. Uh, his name was Adam Dukeshev. He actually doesn't cite any evidence, so <laughs> this theory just doesn't really have legs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's pretty convenient. Yeah. Throw something against the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. it's the CIA, FBI, NSA. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We haven't blamed them in a while, yeah. Why not? Yeah, okay. Um, so we'll put that theory to bed. Next one is, and this is a favorite with the Russian government, which is Chechen warlords, or rather I should say Dagestani warlords who are based in Chechnya. Just about a month before the bombings, a Chechen-based group called the Islamic International Brigade invaded the Soviet Republic of Dagestan in support of Dagestan separatists. Uh, a yeah. quick note here for everybody is Chechnya is an Islamic nation. Yeah. And not everybody knows that. Yeah. But that's their, their religion. Yeah. So this yeah. is, that's where this is going. Yes. Yeah, so that's lot, what this is based in. Yeah, a lot of Wahhabi Islam there, actually, which is the, the, brand, the brand that's promoted by Saudi Arabia. So it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, what's the word I'm thinking of? Large? Well, it's... it's or it's, widespread religion? Widespread, but it's also uh, a very, a very strict sort of interpretation of Islam. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, it's not like, you know, it's not like the kind of is, the interpretation of Islam that you see in, say, um, Indonesia, you know, where people are a lot more relaxed about things. It's like, a, it's a kind of harsh interpretation of it. It's also just societal. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but back to... Dagestan and Chechnya, um, the Russian army, of course, put this incursion down hard, and they wound up going into, into Chechnya also and doing a little bombing. And, of course, people were killed. Lots of things were broken. Uh, and reportedly, one of the late, one of the leaders of the IIB, uh, that's the, international, inter, the Islamic International Brigade, whose name was Ibn al-Khattab, vowed vengeance against Russia, saying, quote, the Mujahideen of Dagestan are going to carry out reprisals in various places in Russia, unquote. But then two weeks later, he walked that back. Al-Khattab denied that his people had carried out the bombings. Uh, he said that he was fighting the Russian army and not women and children. Uh, and so, you know, he's made conflicting statements here. Uh, but uh, he, denies, he denies that they had involvement with it. And, and I'm kind of, generally speaking, when terrorists carry out an, an operation like this, they're, they're very happy to take credit for it. Yeah. 
Even yeah. sometimes when they didn't actually do it. Uh, yeah, if it benefits them, they'll say, oh, no, we we did it. We totally did it, yeah. yeah I mean, okay. I feel like we hear that a lot on the radio or in the mm-hmm. news these days where, you know, they'll say there was this bombing and, you know, these five organizations, organizations. have said that we did it and they, you know, uh-huh. are vaguely maybe connected in one way or another, but, you know, it's kind of like everyone's claiming it and it's like, well, I, okay. You know, it's one thing to say... Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get back at you, Russia, with everything we have, and then to like see this horror that isn't, you know, that was kind of an attack on civilians. Oh yeah, and you know, women but... and children, and to, you know, to say like, no, we no, we didn't. That's not us, though. Like, we yeah, we want to get back at you, Russia, but we want to get back at you within like the rules of you know, the Geneva Code or the rules of warfare or whatever. Mm. Uh, within reason right yeah, maybe i uh, i just don't think i can't i can't imagine that they would have done this and then not taken credit for it well they had uh it was interesting the um and this this kind of has some relevance to our um our next theory which is that they did it with kind of with gear that they didn't necessarily have access to uh certain explosives well like like hdx and and a certain timer that's standard soviet army or russian army issue yeah yeah you know the 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 thing that i mean i i have a lot of qualms with the the activities that go on in in chechnya under the uh the rule of the russian federation i mean because the islamic religion gets blamed for a lot of stuff and is always deemed as the terror group when in mm. fact it's a religion and all religions are full of good people and bad people. Not sure. And so I really I, I this this whole it's gonna be the Chechen warlords thing bothers me because I feel bad for what is probably a primarily a group of normal, nice people just getting this huge label slapped on them by Putin who's dancing the victory dance, going, Look at me, I found the bad people that you didn't know were here and I'm taking them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, certainly there's a lot of there's a lot of people who aren't terrorists who just happen to be living in a village that that's gonna get yeah. the crap bombed out of it. And it's kinda sad for them. Mm-hmm. Not unlike, yeah. you know, a lot of other places in the Mideast, for instance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a fear-mongering. I mean, this yeah. this whole, we're going to go to war against these people because they're terrible, is fear-mongering that we see in a lot of political organizations yeah. in this day and age, Absolutely. unfortunately. And Islam is always the finger, the one that the finger is pointing right at. Yeah. yeah. But it changes every Yeah, every yeah I mean, it, it really does, and it's asinine. So, yeah. but, but you I'm mentioned sorry. that... Um, that the there was some kind of equipment that was yeah like a detonator the detonator standard issue Russian was, army yeah. okay so well, that's that's the bomb that that they defused in Riazan so maybe so that's it was the that, government so what's the next theory then? another theory is maybe that it was the Russian fuel, government maybe jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course it does what are you saying uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. uh-huh the um an American journalist, I saw this guy online giving a talk. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that. David Satter? Yeah, David Satter. Yeah, yeah S-A-T-T-E-R. Yeah, he spent a lot of time living in Russia, speaks Russian, and, and has been covering Russia for a long time. He traveled to Riazan years after the incident and spoke to a lot of residents and also to the police. And believe it or not, nobody there that he talked to believes that Chechen terrorists or Dagestani terrorists or anybody planted the bombs. Well, but there's also, I mean, there's the stuff about the 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 guy who was ID'd and, and on the posters. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was the, the... 
Of yeah, and so the the building superintendent who rented him the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he described him, and, and they did they did a police sketch of the guy and everything. And the guy had presented IDs, if, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And then he was hauled in by the FSB, and they and they basically said, uh, "No, you saw this guy." <laughs> and, oh. and, uh, and so yeah, it was all that was all. And changed. that guy was a uh, he was a a, a a Karachi. Yeah, he's something like that. He was one of those very. There's so many. There's a huge patchwork of ethnicities in that part of the world so mm-hmm. yeah but okay. essentially uh, yeah so, so there is that uh and of course i talked to you about about yeltsin and his distinct lack of, of popularity and um since elections were coming up uh boris and his entourage were legitimately scared of what was going to happen to them if he gave up power uh so a lot of people were expecting that yeltsin would find some excuse to declare martial law mm. and postpone the elections or cancel the elections and it seems like that's, that was his only option, unless he can install somebody in the presidency who was an ally who would protect him. So that was it. Otherwise, Borson, Yeltsin would uh, probably have been murdered or imprisoned or God knows what. That's how unpopular he was. I mean, yeah. in America and in the West, I mean, Yeltsin's actually got high approval ratings. But really, the guy was so corrupt that he was just immensely unpopular. And I was going to ask you to explain what it is, because you've you've said several times he was corrupt mm-hmm. and that you were going to explain it. So tell me, what is it that he did that makes you say that he was that corrupt? Uh, well, I, I think corruption is kind of endemic there. But I, I think one of the most th- one of the things is that his, his oligarch buddies who managed to come into possession of just about all the wealth in Russia were his pals. You know, I think that that's one thing that people really were a little upset by. Upset mm-hmm, by. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was a known direct associates of his were suddenly very rich people. Yeah. And, you know, Yeltsin wasn't the only corrupt guy in, in Russia. Don't oh, no, wrong. that's it, that's just systemic to that entire governance. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying there's no corruption here in America oh. either. But, <laughs> you know, no, we that. are perfect. Yeah. America. America. Mm-hmm. Well, back to the city of Riazan. Remember, that's where the bomb was found that didn't go off, that was defused, that where the, the, main, the main ingredient in the bomb was like RDX, and there was a Russian army issue detonator on it. There were pictures out there that had been seen by people. And I also said that there were sketches of the bombing suspects all over town, and the city had been sealed up by police. Uh, in the days after the apartment bomb had been discovered, a telephone operator overheard a conversation between somebody in the city and a phone number in Moscow. And the man, the Riazan end of the line was saying, quote, the city is sealed and we're trapped. What should we do? Unquote. And then the voice at the other end said, split up and leave the city one by one. Do what you can. Unquote. And the phone operator went to the police and reported this and gave them the phone number in Moscow. And when Riazan police called that number, it turns out it was FSB headquarters. Mm. So, oops. Mm. The guys who had made the phone call didn't succeed in escaping. They were arrested by the police, and uh, they turned out to all have F- FSB identifications on them. So that doesn't look so good. Um, a little confusion there. And and how how are clarify for me again? How are they tied back to the bombings? Well, they were because they were the ones who witnesses had said had either rented rented space in the basement or were seen trucking stuff in. Okay. The apartment building. Okay. Just you know, wanted to make sure yeah. I, I was clear on why. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the head of the FSB stepped in and cleared things up. Uh, he called a press conference, uh, and he announced that the bomb in Riazan was a fake that had been placed there by the FSB as, quote, a test of vigilance, unquote. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, he congratulated the people of Riazan for their vigilance, and they even put on a little ceremony and gave the phone operator a new color TV as a reward. <laughs> 
for her vigilance. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. Even though not everybody buys into the accusation that the FSB and the Russian government were involved in this, I have to say that Yeltsin certainly did need some sort of provocation, you know, in order to either have be able to declare martial law, cancel the election, or to maybe go to war in Chechnya and and you know, sort of change the equation and make his his new president more popular. So that he could he could win he could stay in that office and protect Yeltsin after Yeltsin left. That this sounds be... this sounds really familiar. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to use quotes when I say 9/11 was an inside job. Exactly. This this sounds like the same kind of of I've well, got I've got the boogeyman. I'm going to um, find his trail. It's thinking. It's, it's along those lines. The, the only problem with the 9/11 theories is that there's oh no, there's a lot of them. Oh, I don't even want to start down that road. Shred, but there's not a shred of evidence. But in this. In this case, there is evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think there is? There is evidence, but I also, I the the FSB operated with such a level of impunity is the word I want to use. Is that the right word? Yeah. Okay. So it is the right word. Okay. They that they they didn't bother to do anything to hide what they were doing. They just nobody's going to stop us. Nobody's going to do anything, and they could have been doing something completely unrelated and it got tight and do I think that? No, but that's why I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent on board with this. Well, you don't have to be. I mean, it is entirely possible, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is they have been credibly accused and the Russian government, Vladimir Putin has been, they have been accused of being involved in this, in these bombings. And some things have happened since then. I'm, you remember I mentioned David Satter, uh, mm-hmm. the journalist uh, who was living in Russia up until 2013 when he was expelled by the government. Okay. Because uh, he was saying nasty things about them. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. And he was researching some stuff like the apartment bombings that they weren't enthusiastic about him researching. Mm-hmm. And he and several other journalists formed a little committee when they agreed to, to work together, share information, and, and, to, and to not let this story die. The other journalists were named Sergei Yashenkov, Yuri Shafakashin, <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- I'm really murdering this, Anna, Anna Polakosho, and Alexander Litvinenko. Mm. And so, yeah. That's where this comes back full circle. It, okay. It does, yeah. And uh, of, of that committee of journalists, the only one that's still alive is David Satter. Sergey and Anna uh, were both shot to death, um, and Yuri was poisoned um, with conventional poison, and unlike unlike our guy Alexander Litvinenko, who was wasn't, poisoned wasn't with Yuri poisoned with some poison that was known to be used by the KGB for years as a preferred method of poisoning. Yeah, yeah. And okay. So, and so, uh, so that's an that's why everybody ties it back. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, you know, this is why I I kind of like the Russian gov- government involvement theory because. You know, if these guys are just a bunch of crackpots just running around saying 9-11 was an inside job, you know, mm-hmm. or the equivalent, what's the point of murdering them? But yeah. if, if, on the other hand... Maybe 9-4 was an inside job. Yeah. 9-4 uh, to 9-24 yeah. was an inside job. Just doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. Although, in Russian, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything rolls off the tongue in Russian. All right, but uh, so anyway, you know, you know, it could be anything. It could be the CIA. It could be Putin, so. Wait, 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 but, uh, wait, wait, wait. Slow down here. Back up. You, you, you just dropped that, and then you're walking. You just uh, mic dropped this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So bombshell. So we started out talking about Litvinenko, uh-huh. and 
the fact that he got poisoned with a random bit of plutonium or uh, polonium. Polonium that's made up word. Polon- okay, I'll let you finish. Okay, and and now you've tied this all back to say that he's he actually was murdered by the Russian Federation for his activities in trying to expose things that were going on yeah. based on the 1999 apartment bombings. Essentially, yeah. I think that, that you know, that just given that everybody that was pursuing this story either wound up, I mean, and it wasn't just these four. There were other people who were investigating who wound up getting um, arrested on bogus charges and locked up. Oh, I read uh, through a death list on oh, some website, and, and it's like a, it, there's a dozen high-name people. Yeah. yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, so it's not just these four either. There's tons of people who were killed or locked up or whatever uh, for asking the wrong questions about the apartment bombings. Well, and here's and, the thing about polonium, is that it's it's pretty obscure. Yeah. But, Isn't that a D&D character? Oh, no, that's a paladin. But the place that it's not so obscure is Russia. They actually use it for like uh, coatings to like coat certain metals. They I... not they don't use it. They use it in the process of coating certain metals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. Yeah, they more. don't coat them in this. Room. No, <laughs> they don't coat material. it in this. But there's some. No, you don't want some do that. heat no. coating. You can use this alpha radiation versus the gamma radiation. That's what makes polonium so like interesting. Is it's alpha, mm-hmm. not gamma, and so you can use the alpha radiation to more effectively coat things, or at least you could yeah. anymore. But it's also used often as an anti-static um, electricity thing. So it was put on brushes and things like that. Almost everything you read, at least, you know, on a cursory look of the internet that I did. Um, for this particular substance? Yeah, for polonium-210. Almost all of the uses you say is they'll say like, in Russia, they use it for this. And in Russia, they use it for that. In Russia, they use it for this. So it's not... Everywhere else, they don't use it. So... I mean, it's not like it's just floating around in the air in Russia, but of the places that they use it, Russia is the place they use it. So mm-hmm. I, they use it in nuclear weapons too, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's reason to believe that uh, Litvinenko was murdered by yeah. the Russians for his part in, in covering that story, the apartment, the, the Russian apartment buildings, yeah. bombings. I think, I think and, it's, I'm on board. And yeah. the whole thing worked out well for Yeltsin and for uh, for Vladdy. Although, of course, Vladdy, I think, is, is pretty innocent. Um, you know, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, That's why he's shirtless on a white horse running through the surf. And uh, this yeah. is not the end of the story, Joe. Yeah. Steve has something to say. Oh, you, Some you, other made-up story. You No, you have completely overlooked a fourth theory. Which is what? It could have been anybody else in the Russian Federation. Or... Well, no, here's the thing, is that Levinenko, when he was in the FSB, he was in a anti... uh, It wasn't an anti-corruption, it was anti-gang league, basically. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, and so he fought gangs, and he constantly screamed at everybody that everybody was corrupt, and this place is riddled with corruption, and you've got to root it out. Which is part of the reason that he left the country, because he pointed the finger at everybody. Mm. He then got to the UK, he wrote those two books, he constantly talked to the papers, and if you look at the things that he claims to the papers, in the beginning, they're very small claims, they're, they're, they're believable claims, you know, this, this happens in the Russian Federation, and when I was at the FSB, this happened, which means this person is responsible for this, but those claims in those accusations because 
nobody ever checked him. The the freaking guardian just ran with it. Yeah. He realized he had a cash cow. Oh yeah. And he kept he making series. He kept making bigger and bigger stories and accusations. And he wasn't just pointing at Putin and Yeltsin. Mm-hmm. He was pointing at all kinds of people all the time. So it's entirely possible that he pissed somebody off that wasn't even in the government. Yeah, I mean, if indeed that... there's all these gangs running around, there's a jillion people that could have said, you know what? I'm done. And the only thing that I want to finish on, though, is that it was an FSB officer that is tied to have taken the polonium or the paladin or whatever it's called. Polonium, yeah. Polonium, thank you. A former KGB. Right. He was KGB. And I thought, was he actually an FSB uh, employee? I don't know that he ever wound up working for the FSB or not. But the, the thing is, is that because the FSB... Russian Federation didn't have much money. They were going, everything was going down the tanks. You were only supposed to work for the FSB, but you, it was okay. They, they turned a blind eye to moonlighting, which is what Letvinenko did for, he was a uh, bodyguard for Boris. Berezovsky. Thank you. Yeah. I wasn't going to be able to say that name. So he worked for Berezovsky when the assassination threat came through, That one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that this guy that is ID'd was moonlighting for somebody else and mm-hmm. operated under their orders. So there's there's an entire another pool of well, no. suspects that we haven't even touched. Well, there's no, the... it's uh, no, it's possible, yeah, but it's it, that it, this is just a coincidence that, that all all these people on this committee got murdered, and it, but but it could be. I mean, there were there were KGB floating around who were you know there for hire, and so it's entirely possible. My only my only quibble with that would be is that is that they used polonium. Which is kind of hard to get your hands on if you're not actually working for the Russian government. Okay, um, here's a theory. Uh, on that day that he met with the KGB people in the morning, yeah. or former KGB, whatever, um, he had lunch with an Italian man mm-hmm. who was this, who was a nuclear specialist. Mm-hmm. He had, I mean, they had lunch together, so mm-hmm. maybe the Italian guy poisoned him. Except the Italian dude didn't die. So? <laughs> well, the Italian guy didn't have to ingest it. He just had to administer it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it in the guy's... Or in put it in his tea. tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, he could have put it in his tea. It's true. What what motive did he have, though? I mean, I guess... He, somebody knows? paid him to do <laughs> it? Well, exactly. Somebody like the Russian government. Possibly. Or yeah. a, any anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... This is... You, you, you've you cracked it open, and, and I get where you've gone with your train of thought, but... Yeah. And I get... I understand where all these websites that we read are all pointed they they say well look at this chain of deaths and all of these people were working on this one common story but all of those people were also working on other things Mm -hmm. human rights violations in all these other areas stories about embezzlement and corruption in all these other areas you know so that it's it's a web that this just happens to be one of the correlations and it may be that they were all murdered for different reasons by different groups and it's just as much as i am choking on saying this it is a coincidence um it's entirely possible i doubt it but you know i, I have to admit i'm not 100% convinced you know but i i i have to say that they're my strongest suspects when the list becomes as large as it is i really i struggle with it 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get that the Russian government is not, you know, it's not as if they have clean white gloves on and they've never done a bad thing and they've, oh, yeah. they've never committed an atrocity. We all know they have. I just, sometimes when I look at it, it's look at them, Big Brother is bad. And here's all these people who died and the state said they didn't like them. So the state must have been responsible for their death. Mm, I get I get that. I mean, I just, you know, I just think they're the logical suspects. That's all. I I think it's a bit like the GEC Marconi story that we talked about recently. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, that's a big old chunk of people to die. And, you know, what Steve is saying is true. However... As an American, I think I am um, obligated to say it was definitely the Russian government. Yeah. They are the big bad of this world. Absolutely. And it was them. Oh, God. Okay. That's how I feel. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we agree. Yeah. Right on. We all all agree. Wonder Twin Powers activate. I'll be be over there sobbing in the corner. Yeah, Yeah, like usual. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to it. I I cry in public all the time. It's fine. Oh, I do too. Uh, Not even at funerals, at weddings, whatever. Uh, all right. Well, so you guys have any other thoughts or should we wind this down? I think we solved it. I, think, I uh, it? Yeah. think you two think you've solved it. Okay. We did. Yeah, we did. We totally did. Uh, well, let me tell you a few fun facts here. Uh, you're probably wondering if we have a website. Well, we do. Uh, it's called thinkingsidewayspodcast.com and you can, you can grab episodes off of there, listen to episodes. Uh, we don't allow comments anymore, unfortunately. Uh, you know why. Uh, you can also download and listen to us from iTunes. And if you do that, uh, subscribe and give us a rating and a review, and preferably a good rating and review. And you can also stream us from, like, everywhere. Google Play also, right? Um, everywhere. Yeah, there's all, the, all those websites. There's tons. Yeah. And apps. Yeah, uh, we're, we have a tiny presence in social media. We're on Facebook. We have a group and also a page. So join the group. And uh, we're on Twitter. We are thinking sideways without the G, and a subreddit thinking sideways with the G. So find <laughs> us out there, and you can you can like you know participate in all kinds of discussions and stuff. And if you want to contact us, we have an email. Believe it or not, yeah, we are that twenty first century. Uh, it's thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. And last of all, if you want to support the podcast, there's many ways to do it. Um, there's merchandise. We have shirts and mugs and stickers and. And it's all available through Zazzle and Redbubble. Um, and you can see that in the right-hand panel on our website. Mm-hmm. There's links to that. Uh, we are also on PayPal. So if you want to donate to the podcast, you can do a one-time donation. Or if you want to give us like ongoing support, you can go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash thinking sideways. And if you pledge a certain amount, then that's every episode. If you pledge like a buck, then, you know... We get a buck from you for every episode we drop. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so that's about it. Uh, none, of the, none of that stuff is necessary, but if you feel like it, please do. All right, guys. Any other thoughts here before we go? I love Vladdy. Vladdy. I like Vladdy, too, and I think he's totally innocent. Yeah, I think he's the most beautiful, illustrious leader we've ever seen in this world. And, um, yeah. I just love his hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm emulating it right I, for years. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm working on that that yeah. Putin look. I just yeah. wish I was as handsome as he was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's please it. don't kill us. <laughs> it's time to Putin this to bed. Oh. Yeah. Uh, das Vidonia. <laughs> <laughs>